ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Every part of our bodies are frozen. Yes, every part. But that still isn't stopping us from bringing you a new edition of the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're coming at you live, huddled around a fire in a barrel behind the E-League studios. I thought that was just the candle. <laughs> nope, nope. Just a new candle? <laughs> no, this homeless guy next to us says it's not a candle. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, coming up on this episode, Mortal Kombat is back and bloodier than ever. Simple is simply the best. More drama for Hots Esports, and the Hearthstone Winter Playoffs have come to a conclusion. But first, financial woes continue for a particular Overwatch League team. Texas Esports, which is behind both Optic Gaming and the Houston Outlaws, is putting up a majority stake in both for $150 million. Now, we've reported on this in the past. They've obviously been having some challenges. Uh, Infinite Gaming is the company that was originally behind this organization, plus many, many, many other companies, which I did not realize. Uh, what does it say about an organization that has both an NALCS franchise and an OWL franchise and still can't seem to make the numbers work? Well, I think they invested heavily way up front. Uh, they overreached, I, I would say, probably with all the different games that Optic was getting into. And, I mean, in all honesty, I think what this does show is that uh, some short-term investors, really, which kind of got into esports, thought they make a ton of, ton of money. Billions and, of dollars with the kids. Right, and it's just not panning out. Um it's it's kind of scary. I know this isn't like our anchor topic, but the more I started thinking about it, it's like it's one of those things where – Esports is in a weird space it's in 2019. It's already kind of starting off in this kind of weird, murky space where it's like, you know, maybe like advertisers and money and teams falling apart and leagues falling apart and esports, you know, whole, yeah, I guess you could say this, the whole esports for like Blizzard falling apart. Like, this, it's weird, weird space. What are they right called now. in corporate America? Right sizing? Is that what's going on right now? <laughs> I guess now? so. Well, they right sized in, what was it, back in October, I think, is we originally went, uh, uh, infinite laid off people. Supposedly, with this whole reorg, it's coming in February. They're not going to lay anybody off with it. Um, but still, it's kind of a kind of a rough start. Yeah, and what is strange about this is they had GG Esports, Triggerfish, No Scope Media, Third Label, Innovative Performance Institute, Engage, as well as some clothing sector six apparel. Right, all right. companies that were part of this group. There's not that much to do at esports. I, I don't even understand what they were trying to do. I think we made fun of Hi-Rez for uh, you know spinning off like Skillshot and then the three yeah, games, yeah. but that that makes actual sense. They well, had they're, they they're making money. Clearly, these guys are not <laughs> right. Right. Well, they they decided to have a company for each in, in each individual thing that they do. Engage, I think, is actually making money. I think they did a a tournament, not tournament, but a, a convention, and they're wanting to expand that more. They were doing well last I heard. Yep, and they've now been moved to Esports Ventures LLC because we've just run out of con you know, like cool names for them. So now we're just going to go with the Esports Company, um, which is a separate company owned by the. Uh, 
backers of Infinite's esports, but in a separate world. So basically, yeah. saying that yes, they made money. Yes, like this is the one thing actually worth a damn. So we're going to move that over here, and you can have all the garbage for 150 million dollars. And when it comes to making money, Activision Blizzard, Activision go- coming around finally and saying, "Hey, this is uh, maybe we need to figure out this Call of Duty thing." After all, this blackout piece. Uh, so Call of Duty developer Treyarch will offer the blackout uh, mode for free on a trial for uh, from January 17th to 24th. So technically, it's going on now. Um, again, we can kind of cover the whole week of stuff, but it's going on for the next couple of days. So, Brian, we've talked about this in the fact in the past. Is, is this further indication that uh, Call of Duty is going all in on that blackout mode? Definitely, and it's exactly what they should be doing at this stage. Like Call of Duty has kind of lost its shine from the initial launch. It feels like there was too big of a gap between when Black Ops Four came out and when the Call of Duty World League was going to kick off. And so, them getting people interested in the game through what is probably going to be always its most popular mode is a smart thing to do, especially when you look at the state of esports surrounding the genre in general. Fortnite really hasn't made it an eSport per se, and we're just starting to see some stuff gain some traction around PUBG, so I think it's the perfect opportunity for them to do that, and makes a whole lot of sense when you look at what they're ultimately going to try to do, which is make Blackout mode a thing across all the games, whether that is a standalone game or just a mode they carry over, and this is what they're trying to do to entice people to play the game again. Yeah, this definitely feels like it's a, a test to see how well Blackout mode will handle or be handled or be received by the community or just by the public in general um, as its own kind of standalone piece or see how much draw it actually has outside of Call of Duty players because you know that they're prepping it to possibly be uh, how do we carry carry it over. The fact that they can even limit what mode you can play tells you that maybe they were thinking about this in the future that yep. we can just limit it down to blackout mode. But that's what I thought was really weird. Is like, oh, you can't do like single player campaign or, or multiplayer. Like you can't do any like any other modes that a normal game would have except for blackout mode. And that just yep. tells you like they were thinking about this ahead of time, which makes perfect sense. Thankfully they had their head about them on that part. Um, but yeah, it's, this is totally a trial for that for them to just flip the switch. I wouldn't surprise me if we, within the next couple of weeks hear more about future plans for blackout mode. Uh, it feels like they could just turn this into, oh, we shut the servers off for the rest of Black Ops 4, but blackout mode still exists. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. That's more than likely what's in the pipeline. So HLTV named its best player in the world in CSGO, and as you may have guessed, Simple from Navi was named number one. The debate really centered around whether Simple should be ranked over Astralis's device, who took home the number two. What's your take on this top ten list that they came out with? Well, I think that simple getting number one uh, makes a lot of sense. I know there's the the heated topic was whether or not uh, it should be simple or device basically getting it. Um, de- while device is yes the more decorated uh, player because Astralis won more. I mean, from a numbers standpoint, simple just uh, especially when it comes to big events just wrecked everybody. He was number one uh, in a big events rating with a one point three four. He was number one. Uh, in the playoff ratings with a 1.3, number one in kills per round in big events. Uh, I think he was like number two, um, basically, for clutch plays. I mean, you you name it, and he pretty much has it. Damage per round was his. Uh, opening duels won. I mean, it's the, the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, uh, when HLTV kind of threw up the stats, there was only like maybe two things where he was ranked 
second, and one was second, one was third. Everything else was number one. I mean, that's some crazy numbers. Now, Navi but did what do you not say do about the. What do you say about the argument that? But look at what the team itself did. It's like it's like right. winning MVP without winning a championship, which is more important. Right, but would you go in and say that LeBron was less of a player because they he didn't win a championship, but someone who sat the bench on a team that did one was better? You, you not necessarily, right? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about over the year, yes, it's, it's similar to like LeBron can be the best player in the NBA even if the Cavs suck. What'll be interesting is when you go back and you zoom out and you look at the legacy of these players over like a five or ten year career. Those championships matter far more in that world than they do in the yearly rankings. Well, they do, they do. But this was specific around player, just players themselves, not like teams. Yep. Now, obviously, Astralis, yeah, number one, they got it. They got the Grand Slam. They, but, they but have Navi's everything. been doing so well. No, no, not necessarily at all. Uh, but I mean, a couple of people that to, to, you know you should call out here. We we should call out uh, Nico Dupree, and I I think the biggest surprise, not really a surprise, I guess. Uh, not from from Team Liquid getting the number six nod, which is awesome, being that he has definitely ch- turned that team around after coming over from Optic Gaming once they finally found the groove. Ironically, comeback the, player of the year. Not just come, the comeback team of well, let's just say they're they're more uh, I guess consistent now than they have ever been. And well, I won't say ever been, but more consistent now than they have been the last good as opposed to consistently bad. Right. It's not, it's like, Hey, we just showed up at like ESL one New York and then we disappeared for everything else. Uh, so they're, they're doing a lot better uh, and very, very strong contenders at any point in time when they do get in these big events, which is awesome. So it sounds like you're, you're like simple should win this. Sorry device. I, I believe so. I mean, if you look at the top 20, I mean, basically everybody from Astralis was in it. I think Exibix might have been around like 16, but Glaive was number 8. Now, Glaive, Glaive again, in-game leader, like, uh, I mean, well-deserved there is, uh, that, I mean, to be able to carry a team alone and make top 8 in terms of solos, that's impressive. And in all honesty, I would maybe even put them above Device and Simple because he is the in-game leader, so he's doing multiple roles. Right. Uh, but Great player I, and worrying about what everybody else is doing. Right, right. So player coach happens to be number eight. But I, I I think numbers don't lie in this. Simple definitely had when it came to big events. Uh, and I don't see why <laughs> why anybody could really fight that too, too much. And, of course, speaking of Fortnite, Epic Games reveals the $500,000 prize pool uh, secret skirmish Fortnite two-day event. Now, the contest will feature top players from each open Fortnite competition held, held so far. Uh, but as usual, who and the where are kind of missing from the announcement. So this, again, feels like Epic Games doing that Epic Games thing. Uh, super vague post, totally winging it with the giant prize pool. What are your thoughts on this uh, quotations secret skirmish? I mean, at least they're finally doing what it says in the tin, which is we've got no freaking details. I think when they announced that giant amount of money that they were throwing into esports this year, no one envisioned that this is what we were going to end up with, which is just a bunch of random ad hoc events that have giant prize pools that invite rando freaking people. 
I have Epic has no clue. They just have this behemoth of a game on their hands, and like, yeah, we'll spend five hundred thousand dollars throwing it in front of a bunch of people, and we'll call it an esports event. As usual, this announcement, if you want to call it that, was three sentences, which may have broke the record for the longest announcement they've ever had about <laughs> this an esports thing. Uh, will feature quote unquote top players from each open Fortnite competition held so far. Um, it'll prepare the broadcast team for the Fortnite World Cup. I don't know why that matters. <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. I'm so sick of Epic and this weird Fortnite. They're just event. They're just marketing events. It's not esports. It's just a marketing event. Hundred percent. And it's funny because everybody keeps trying to talk about it being an esports. A lot of these esports teams are getting into it, but there again, there's outside of throwing a bunch of players in it and, and paying for their players' way to get into these things. This is an invitational, so who knows if they'll even get in? Uh, it's not like an open event where they kind of have to sleep in in line the night before to get in on like the the sign up sheets. It, it's it's so awkward and it just screams of we don't know what we're doing, but we've got tons of money, and so it just automatically becomes this you know giant thing that everybody has to talk about because five hundred thousand dollars is uh, not a small amount of money. No, nope. and it's Fortnite, which is like the biggest game. It's like they literally don't know what to do and. And that's what's scary because they could do some amazing things. But they've done nothing. Like you and I were hoping that, okay, they're going to figure out what to do with this genre and making it an esport. There's literally tens of millions of dollars at their disposal to do this. And nope, like their head of esports must also be their head of marketing because they have solved nothing about Battle Royale and its format in esports other than just having these giant events. And they just follow the same popular players until they get kicked out, and then that's kind of it. Yeah, and they were super anti-esports teams getting involved in everything, right? Yep. It was all about the single player, and they don't want to involve teams, so teams essentially, quote-unquote, stayed away. But they didn't. They just shotgun approached it by getting like 25 people in their roster and sending them out there and making hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, it's really not, sadly. I just... I don't know why they were so against it, but then they still don't have any kind of like idea on how to run things. They basically said, we don't want to give third-party people this. We don't do that, this, that, and the other, because basically we don't know what we're going to do. We don't want to have to deal with it. We yep. just want to throw rando tournaments at things like PAX, TwitchCon, give away big prize pools, and call it a day. Hashtag ninja. There you go. Solves a lot of problems. Now, who is trying to do Battle Royale right is PUBG. The National PUBG League kicks off in early February. It just keeps on going. It is the uh, little engine that could, so to speak. It's going to feature some teams you've heard of, some teams you haven't heard of. But is PUBG actually better positioned for esports right now than Fortnite? I think from a sustainability perspective. More than likely. Now, I mean, we talked about the the shotgun approach, essentially, um, of throwing a bunch of players at it. That's not guaranteed money, but you still, like, they're making money. But, again, you don't know when tournaments are coming up. (laughs) This is uh, totally, uh, you know, by by the whim of Epic that you get these tournaments. And so this is going to be a more uh, regular league. It's going to have the teams in there. Um, a, a format in which you know what's coming up, where even Fortnite doesn't know their formats. Nope. I think uh, from a sustainability standpoint um, and an understanding, if you're a team that is in, uh, an esports uh, brand that is investing into uh, a a team to play in one of these leagues, yeah, I think PUBG is is way more sensible. Yep. Um, I do. I'm a little upset that like TSM isn't the old TSM. They're not involved. But I'm sure I can find a team to, to root in this. I mean, the Cloud9's I mean, there. Cloud9's so in yeah. there. You've got EU United. You've got uh, Team Envy, Tempo Storm. 
there's, there's some brand names that you've heard of before. There's also a bunch of teams you've never heard of before. But, I mean, it's like if I am an esports organization, I would rather take this, where I'm paying a team of, you know, three to five people a salary and have them compete in a league where there's a chance for not guaranteed winnings, but actual winnings there's a structure to the organization then the shotgun approach of like let me sign 25 people go into the skirmish none of them win i just wasted a bunch of money yeah the problem is you could probably even one-off sign people for contracts and then they go go into the event essentially do it and in from a from a uh fortnite standpoint they can just jump into the event win once and you're like all right cool thanks for the contract and you're out but you just yeah. made like 100k it's it's literally more like gambling versus playing in a league is really what it boils down to i, I don't think it's going to stop anybody from the shotgun approach anymore in fortnite but there's just I, too much money yeah like, it's just too much money it's just too around. much money and they probably are not paying that much to sign a bunch of people for a single batch contract anyway because it's not like you're signing for a league. You can throw them on a stream, let them stream, and probably make some money from that. So I, I get it from an esports perspective. I'm much happier with what PUBG is doing than what I've seen from Epic so far. Yeah, I would say PUBG definitely has more along the lines of actual esports than Fortnite at this point. All right, moving along to our, our big topic of the day, the big announcement. Mortal Kombat 11 was announced. Now, when the game wasn't announced at EVO, we were really afraid around whether or not the next installment uh, in the franchise, maybe it was even on its way out. We didn't know when it was coming, but it turns out it's actually coming in April. And uh, if anybody's hyped, it's got to be you, Brian, right? I, I don't FGC, yeah. you know, kind of bores me. I'm just not. No, I'm super freaking hyped for this. So we saw a trailer not too long ago. Everybody was like, eh, that looks like a bunch of CGI. Nope. This is the best, hands down, the best looking 3D fighting game out right now. The graphics on this are redonkulous, which means those fatalities are a little squirmy. Like, when they are on old-school, yeah. like, pixely graphics, you're like, oh, that's cool. He just ripped his skull out, and there's his spine. Ha-ha. Now it's like, man, the brain <laughs> jiggle physics are a little too realistic for my liking. Like, I wonder what the difference in algorithms between boob physics and brain physics is. Are we, are we taking the show Let's there? I, wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't prepared for this. I know. I was just... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But say, what 25 playable characters launch. do that. I know, I know. Well, yeah, they probably got somebody from that dev team. They're like, you think the boob and brains jiggle at the same frequency? And then here we go. Anyway, 25 playable characters at launch, plus Shea Khan is a pre-order bonus. We've got at least one new character unveiled so far, which is Garrus. Uh, Garrus is the ability to control time, which is a very interesting mechanic. Um, if you've seen in some of his moves, you can actually like rewind and hit somebody again, which is pretty interesting. And then we we'll also get Kronika, who is tied to Garrus and is the new boss for the game. So we don't know if she's actually going to be playable at this stage, but the first female boss in all of Mortal Kombat history. So far, we have Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Raiden, Sonya Blade, who oh, is right. uh, voiced by this. Ronda yeah, yeah. Rousey, believe it or not. Yep. Yep, uh, Scarlet and Baraka are back as well, so they're confirmed. Now, that doesn't mean that 25 is going to be the final number. That's just who they have that right. many spaces on the current character select screen. So we will see how that goes. Uh, some interesting notes for longtime Mortal Kombat players. X-rays are out, and they've been replaced with Fatal Blows, which is something you can do once per game after you get to a certain percentage of health. Uh, but it looks a lot like the X-rays, which is like the gruesome like zoom-in, skull-breaking kind of stuff. Uh, we're getting some other interesting mechanics. Crushing blows are a new mechanic where basically if you do a certain set of circumstances, 
you will get a very, very powerful hit. So you, if you've done like three slide-ins with Sub-Zero and hit it every time, then the fourth time you do it, it does like oh, a nice. shit ton of damage is basically what it is. So, And again, it looks a lot like the old X-Rays or the current uh, Fatal Blows, which is that it'll be like an extra graphic zoomed-in version of the move that you do. Uh, we get Flawless Blocks, which is rewarding perfect time blocks with the ability to counter. Um, because they have gotten rid of combo breakers, this plus a new flip-out mechanic are what are going to replace those combo breakers. Uh, you have an offensive and defensive meter now, but for the first time that I can remember in a fighting game, these meters actually are on a timer, so they just refresh no matter what you do. They just have it, a certain set refresh time based on the uh, move that you did to deplete it. So it's a lot to manage, and a lot of it's opaque. So if I do a defensive maneuver, it'll burn a certain amount of gauge, and then based on that defensive maneuver, it will come back over time. But some moves, it'll snap back very quickly. Other moves, it'll take a little bit more time. So it'll be interesting to see how people manage that. Probably the biggest thing to come out of all of this is it is a very different game than the previous Mortal Kombat games. It is no longer the fast-paced, lots of movement. Uh, you know, We see dashes and things out of the Injustice games at Mortal Kombat X, but instead, it's more of a Street Fighter's style now where the footsie game is more important there's not a lot of right. horizontal movement available so you're doing a lot of walking in and blocking game and things of that nature um, and so far I've heard mixed reviews on the changes I think if you're a Mortal Kombat purist you're playing the game because you can fly all over the place now what I will say is if you think about Street Fighter and how well it has done as an eSport and how fun it is to watch versus Injustice 2, which can be a bit of a shit show to watch. You're just like, oh, they're just hitting the same move over and over again. I'll be interested to see if this change to a more neutral footsie-style gameplay, uh, similar to Street Fighter, will make this a little bit more watchable. Uh, the character variations are back, so you can sp play all the different preset versions of the characters that come with different special abilities. But now it sounds like you're going to be able to tweak yeah, those and create too, your yeah. own custom oh. versions of those as well. Uh, which has a whole another element. We saw a bit of this in Injustice 2. Um, you can also socket items and things of that nature. So, super, super stoked. Switch, PlayStation 4, PC, and Xbox One. Cross-platform launch April 23rd. If you want to spend $300, you can get that sexy <laughs> now, Scorpio. The funny part is I mentioned that before the show, and you're like, I don't know where I'm going to put it. But the wall of Funko Pops has like one space that's left over, and I can see that happening. I th I, are you going in? Are you all in or no? No, I'm not. No, I'm not a physical. I don't buy any of the physical limited editions anymore. I think the last time I spent money on a physical limited edition was the Overwatch uh, Collector's Edition, and that uh, Soldier Seventy Six still sitting in the box over there. <laughs> now, one thing I, I haven't seen thus far is one of the big gripes in terms of watching Injustice Two as an esport is the cutscene pieces, the constant cutscenes. Do are they kind of eliminating that in this? It's so. And so it is not as cutscene heavy as you have seen with Injustice 2 because you don't have you have stage interactivity, but at least so far that stage interactivity has largely just been slam somebody into a thing, swing a pole that you pulled off the side into somebody. Uh, the comp or the uh, fatal blows definitely have some cutscenes to them. Obviously, fatalities and brutalities and things of that nature, which are are back have some cutscenes to it. So I would not call it as heavy as what we saw in Injustice 2, but it is certainly still another Realm Studios game, and there is a fair amount of that, like, cut out, see a cool thing happen kind of thing, which I know a lot of people complain because it does throw off timing, both as a player and when you're trying to watch it. You're like, okay, seen this 15-second cutscene play out 100 times today. 
Moving on, let's uh, swing it by Blizzard's neighborhood and talk about Heroes of the Storm. So, obviously, the HGC is dead and done with, but that doesn't mean that players still are not waiting to get paid. Neventech is being sued, or the former owner of Neventech is being sued by his former players for $50,000 in mispayments and wages, prize money, and interest. Um, it's just crazy to me that we still have these problems and obviously, HGC itself has its challenges, but I'm not surprised to see this. But this is just again like that middling to lower tier esports being plagued by these shitty owners and people just taking advantage of the players. And this is a perfect example of that. Oh yeah, again, it's it, that story we've maybe heard a dozen times a show uh, already on this show. Uh, so yeah, Neventic they operated their uh, HOTS team from around like February in 2016, so early 2016 to about the fall of 2017 in yep. August. And that end date actually was when the players finally chose to call it quits, but the, because the problems actually started way beforehand. Right, the owners so, disappeared. Yeah, in in April, the James Ross Elliott the uh, second. I mean, come on, who he just sounds like a douche. Yeah, (laughs) I guess you could call him because he's because if he does come out of the woods and yells at you or tries to uh, like fight back around that statement, then cool, somebody's found him. But he's (laughs) He's the guy. Sweet, write a check. Yeah, right. He's the guy who is now uh, who's at the head of this whole. uh, lawsuit because he's the one who owes the team more than $50,000. So that $50,000 mark, which you had kind of mentioned before, was without the actual interest involved. Yep. And they're thinking that it's going to be or end up being even more. So that, again, like he, he left in 2017 in April and hasn't been heard of since. It was the staff that chose to continue to play through August. But once August came around, they still hadn't heard from him. That's when they the players were like, okay, contracts are up. We're just going to call it quits. Which is just nuts. Like, just right. absolutely nuts. And it turns out he was spending money on personal expenses out of the Noventech account. We've heard this song and dance before, but here we go again. And what are they going to do? Like, with all these, you know, C-tier games starting to wind down their esports operations, how are these people going to prey on innocent players? All right, let's jump back to the FGC because I feel like every show lately we've been kind of harping on Blizzard, and we want them to talk to us sometime in the future. So uh, what was also confirmed this week was Jiren, although it was accidentally. Uh, Jiren was confirmed for Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, who else could be in store for Season 2 if this is indeed the beginning of Season 2 of what essentially this leak was? Yeah, so it's interesting because there's been a lot of drama around Dragon Ball Fighters over the past few months. A lot of tournaments being canceled due to copyright claims, so no one can actually figure out where those copyright claims are coming from. They assumed it was Toei, who's the you know a distributor and creator of the anime. They have come out and denied it very explicitly that it is not them. So there was some conjecture that we would not get season two of Dragon Ball Fighters because they were going to be unable to support it. Now this clearly has proven that is not the case and at least that we're getting one new character so we have the uh, dragon ball fighters world tour finals are going to come up here this coming weekend in which this was supposed to be announced and the question is is this going to be announced as hey new downloadable character or season two coming here's the first character so i'm pretty hyped one way or the other we've had a little bit of a drought in new characters for dragon ball fighters uh, jiren is an awesome addition to the lineup um, I think it is nice when we get a character that just isn't another Gohan Vegeta fusion combo because right, we've been right. getting a lot of those. Though I imagine that season two will get your Vegitos, your Gogitas, or whatever version of it we're going to get. Uh, they're also going to take advantage. Obviously, the Broly movie has recently just come out. 
in that Brawley movie has plenty of opportunity for people to, uh, you know, characters to pluck out of it in the different variations that we got of both Gohan and Vegeta. But overall, I'm super excited for this. Like, I'm glad that this seems to indicate that we will get a season two. Now, hopefully that also means that they will figure out whatever licensing issues kept the game from having tournaments, because this is what has kept uh, Dragon Ball Fighters from being at Evo Japan, which is just mind-boggling to me, because we were able to get it at Evo in Las Vegas, but not in Evo Japan. So hopefully they will get this sorted out. And the thing that was that actually spurred this all on was there was, an I believe it was an advertisement, or there was a segment in uh, Shonen Jump that has come out a little bit early, and so therefore people were able to see in the uh, in the ad itself that Jiren was in it. Yep. And so now people are like, oh, okay, this is what spread on this whole, like, wh- what's coming in Season 2 or who's coming in Season 2. Yep, yep. So, And there's been leaks in the past, and the leaks of Season 1 were incredibly accurate, and they got everybody. So I've seen some leaks for Season 2. I'm not going to say what I've seen because I don't know how true they are, and I don't want to spoil it for people. Uh, but they are out there if you want to search around on Reddit, and we'll see how uh, accurate they end up being. Uh, jumping back to Blizzard, but in a positive way, the 2019 America's Hearthstone Winter Playoffs uh, had its final four in Los Angeles. Uh, the finalists include Bloody Face, No Blord, and Bobby EX. Uh, there was mixed feelings around some of the gameplay this weekend, but did any of these players stand out to you? You know, We talk about this challenge of, like, does anybody know anybody? And Hearthstone having trouble creating stars. And these are names that are relatively new, if you've been following it for the last couple of years. But how did you think it went? I think uh, Ike, although I think you left out Ike on, on that list of people Sorry, who made it in there. But yeah, but Ike is, is a notable player. But there was a lot of notable names in this tournament. The one thing that did kind of pop out quite a bit was that there was some questionable plays. Uh, I think it was uh, Nal Gaiden. Uh, I can never pronounce his name. It's Nal Gaiden. Um, essentially tried to coin out an 11 mana Malagos. I don't know why, but it gave me a good laugh. Um, there was a really big misplay when it was, uh, I think it was Dog versus Fibonacci. It was like a, a priest mirror um, where Fibonacci uh, missed lethal. Dog had a questionable move and uh, would have worked or would have basically went around the lethal, but Fibonacci missed it anyways. Um, so there's a lot of um, just kind of awkward play. But the person who really stood out a lot to me uh, was actually Bloody Face. Now, he's on his, I think, like second consecutive win. He's doing really, really well. Um, but he had a, yeah, the name was pretty bad too. Uh, but he had a great read on the meta. He, in, instead of going uh, with, the, with the pack, he basically went full anti control. So he went like Togwaggle Druid with Hakar. He went Quest Rogue, Quest Priest, OTK Pally. Like these, like, really long, drawn out. If you're going into. Uh, a control match like they're just going to lock it down even further and just win uh and he did e- exceptionally well i think in the end he ended up losing to Noblord, but still i think uh super super good lineup very very good call and it's i mean all these guys getting to go to the winter championship it looks strong i mean i'm hoping that na's got a chance this time around yeah, i don't know sure you might as well. I mean, Hearthstone Esports is going to be dead by this time next year. So I know. This is the sad going. part. This is the sad part. It's like, this is like, feels like almost the, the maybe next to last big tournament we're going to get to see. Yep. Uh, and then I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of what's happening. You better get very familiar with your uh, Mandarin because the only way you're going to watch any Blizzard Esports is going to be in Chinese. That's sad. It saddens me. It does sadden me quite a bit. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about something that is 
about to kick off, which is the Call of Duty uh, Pro League. So the qualifiers wrapped up this week, this weekend, and now we know all the different teams that are uh, basically going to be in the upcoming season. Some of the big notable names are like Optic Gaming, E-United, Splice, Luminosity, uh, Team Envy, 100 Thieves making it in there as well, Evil yep. Geniuses. Uh, and those were like really like some of the big names who popped out. Not like a, a ton, <laughs> not like a, like a, a ton of um, really to talk about this. So, but it's this is a a league that is not quite franchised. But there's been rumors. I mean, would would you watch it if it ends up becoming a franchised league? This is tough. I mean, I a I feel like the window has already come and gone. When Black Ops Four came out and was super popular and top of mind for everybody. The Overwatch League Season 1 was over. They had started to announce franchises for Season 2. It was the perfect time to say, oh, and one more thing, now Call of Duty Pro League, and here are the teams that are being played, you know, that are here's the franchises that have been sold to these players and these teams that you already know of from Overwatch League. And that could have been a good idea. They didn't do it. The shine is now off Black Ops 4, um, and we're just back to regular old run-of-the-mill Call of Duty Pro League. And, I mean, it's fun to watch from time to time. I really enjoy it when it comes around to the end of the season, similar to how I enjoy Rainbow Six Siege. Like, I can't watch it throughout the entire season, but when the playoffs come around, I enjoy it. But does anyone actually care? I mean, they're going to have to wait for the next installment of Call of Duty, I think, before they can pull the trigger on franchising. Right, right. And, you know, it, this is one of the things that, I guess, like, in the middle of the show, it kind of comes to me is, if Activision wanted to pull the trigger on uh, Call of Duty, uh, World League, essentially, uh, or Pro League, um, actual franchising, they should have done it. You're right. They should have done it because they had all these people on esports that they were basically about to let go that they could have just transitioned yep. who were already seasoned Blizzard employees who already worked in esports under Activision Blizzard in some way, shape, or form. They could have just rolled them over to work on Call of Duty World League or at least, I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they did that partially. I don't know. Blizzard just doesn't really care about Call of Duty, but they could have been given options. I don't know if that was there. But still, like, man, it's just, it's, they had an opportunity to to kick it off. And everybody was hyped. Yeah, I think so. I think that, I think the hype meter was definitely up there. If you look at, I mean, Overwatch League, there wasn't, uh, there was, they didn't need a season under their belt to essentially kick it off. They just said, hey, give me monies now and we'll, we'll figure, figure it out. out. Yep. Where Call of uh, Duty Pro League had a lot of that already figured out. Right. And it surprises me that they haven't figured it out in terms of like from a franchising standpoint. I think when it cam- comes down to it, looking at uh, some of the numbers that MLG pulled in their finals, I don't. Th- I think the numbers were soft and that's what scared them. And well, they're, they're thinking maybe one more season they could bring that up. And they're not going to. Like. That's that's the misnomer, right? Like there are not a lot of esports that viewership is growing in at the moment, right? Like they tend to be stagnating or going down, with the exception of like League of Legends world numbers. But then when you come back and you look at the normal season play, it's like oh ho hum, you know, numbers are bouncing around where they normally are. I mean, Rocket League was an exception. Rocket League's jumping. Uh, the it's irony, all relative, right? Right, right. Rocket League is jumping uh, some. Uh, Rainbow Six is is kind of growing still. But not to the point where like they're going to jump in with a huge amount not of franchise. Not going to pay $30 million for a single team. Right, like, That's right. the challenge here. Or even like half price or quarter price because you're already an Overwatch League franchise. This was rumored, right? A lot of these were supposed to be. Or maybe not even any additional money because the rumor that was floating around for a while was that they had actually 
offered these spots as part of what they needed to secure the Overwatch League spots, which is like, oh, this is too much money. How about we also give you Call of Duty? That was a rumor that was floating around. That's right, yeah. But I, I there's just not, I mean, there's just not enough here. I just don't think between Black Ops 4 cooling off, the problems at Activision Blizzard in general right now, like the financial challenges, the stock price going down, Blizzard ducking out of most of their esports in any meaningful way, except for the Overwatch League. I mean, it, it, the, the ship has sailed. Enjoy it with these teams. Half of you've heard of, half of you'll have no freaking clue who they are. And that's it. Like, I think they'll still do it, though. There was a, a rumor that popped up today, like somebody supposedly, quote unquote, confirmed it on a stream. But I, again, that, take it with a grain of salt because it's still a ways out if that was to happen. The, this uh, rumor has been confirmed multiple times. Right, exactly. Uh, I don't doubt for a second that it was supposed to happen. I just don't know if it even makes sense for it to happen at this point. Like, is there enough money in it for anybody to get involved outside of the teams that are already involved, right? It's franchising, all states going to come in and buy a sponsorship. Like, I just don't see those things happening for for Call of Duty. Shift them to Hearthstone. Here. Save Hearthstone. That's oh, what we need. Hashtag, hashtag save Hearthstone. Oh, God. <laughs> Moving on, uh, a team that is not having any money problems is Cloud9. They have secured another partnership, this one with Puma for their LCS team. <laughs> oh, the traditional sponsorships keep on coming. Are you hyped for some Cloud9 game day pants? I mean, the fact that they refer to them as game day pants really cracks me up. It's not even like, yeah, Puma branded, whatever. No, I don't literally know, call them game day pants. Calls them game day pants. It's Meaning they're just like your pajama pants that you woke up with because you played the game too late the night before. Like is that? That's uh, historically, esports uh, players tend to uh, wear like I don't know sweats on stage, socks and sandals. It's kind of funny. Like I don't know. Look at Puma track pants. Maybe we should pay Puma to make some. Some uh, Puma branded plaid <laughs> game day pants. pants for Gaben when it comes to <laughs> TI. There you go. See, I just I don't whatever. I mean, more money for Cloud Nine, I guess. But this game day flip flops <laughs> come from Puma. <laughs> Gaben edition. Uh, my favorite quote, as always, is from the uh, Puma Digital Marketing head, Matt Shaw, who says, this deal gives us the ability to be part of more things our kids love, and that's how our brand moves the culture forward. <sighs> Man, you know what? I bet they're investing in op Optic Gaming next. That's what's coming. <laughs> That's, That's what the coming. kids want, I hear. Oh, and now we're going to have to end the end the show on another another fun note. Wait, better than game day pants? It's better than game day pants, I feel like. Uh, so Runaway defeat... Uh, it, well, when it comes to contenders, Overwatch contenders in Korea... Uh, Runaway defeated Element Mystic four to one to actually win out contenders in Korea. Uh, so why, why are people tuning in for contenders Korea news? Well, they, all, they they're tuning in for this final moment because I have to ask you, what was more entertaining, the actual tournament itself or that final celebration? Was that trophy made of chocolate? You know, like when it's Easter and you get like the hollow Easter bunny chocolate. 
that's what this trophy looked like because everybody swarms around the trophy. They're like preparing to lift it up like the thing weighs like 50 pounds and it probably weighed like three pounds because they go to pick it up and they break one handle off of the trophy and then awkwardly make fun of the trophy for a good two and a half minutes. So they have this awkward wide shot of the entire stage because they don't want you to see that this epic trophy for uh, Overwatch Contenders Korea is the equivalent of a hollow chocolate bunny. <laughs> it did. It legit broke and was hollow uh so so sad and and what's sad is that runway had a really incredible run they they swept kongdu panthera wgs uh armament at right at near the end uh and then the only i think the only game that they actually dropped was to element mystic but they still won out four to one it just Here's your it's consolation Here's your consolation and it was funny too because you mentioned that they they pulled that camera out because they were like oh don't show the fact that they literally ripped off a handle of the trophy and then they turn all the players turn it so that the the hole in the trophy is facing forward from the stage You're just looking through the hollow trophy and sadness abound and the players are laughing and pointing at the thing and I think that next, pretty much sums up Blizzard's year right there. It does. It does. I think uh, next year they're going to have uh, a, a pinata at the end. So maybe there'll be at least candy in the future. No, that'll be the best part is a pinata will be empty. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> oh, Blizzard, we're sorry. That's going to do it for this episode. As always, you can catch us every Monday and Thursday on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. You can just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're over there on iTunes, be sure to tell us what you think of the show by leaving a five-star review. It helps people find us, which, you know, we appreciate, especially when we're out here in the cold around the barrel with the homeless guy. Or they can't find us because of, I don't know, a feed change, name change on iTunes, maybe? I don't know, but that's all right. Just look for the two guys in the game day pants. We will be, uh, be over there in the corner. <laughs> the, the game day pants, guys. And if you want to send us pictures of you in your game day pants, you can do so by hitting us up don't. at discord.eleaguereport.com. We will never be going to that server again, thanks to that one. Um, and, of course, don't forget to catch the E-League CSGO Invitational coming up this weekend, the 25th through the 27th on Twitch, eleague.com, and Live. That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back on Thursday with the midweek edition of the Evening Report.